listening to PetLifeRadio.com. It's a big world out there, and you're just looking for a pat on the back or head. You're running around the city, searching for a place to bark, working your tail off with your nose to the ground, sniffing for a few scraps, hoping someone will throw you a bone. You take each lead, collar after collar, hoping one day to take a bite out of success and become the top dog. Fortunately, you come home each day to open arms, open cans, a drink waiting for you, and a comfortable place in front of a TV set. You know you've got it good, really good, because after all, it's a doggy dog world out there. Pet Life Radio presents It's a Doggy Dog World with your host, pet expert and award-winning author, Liz Palaika, and this week's co-hosts, Kate Abbott and Petra Burke. Hi, welcome to It's a Doggy Dog World. I'm your host, Liz Palaika, and with me today, as always, are my good friends, Petra Burke Hello. and Kate Abbott. How do And if you've listened to any of our podcasts, you know we, we're fascinated by dog behavior. We talk about it a lot. And when we talk about changing a dog's behavior, one of the things that is often discussed is desensitization. And I know a lot of our students have asked what that is, so we thought we'd talk about that in this podcast, explain what desensitization is, how it can work, how you can work with your dog, and the various the various ways of utilizing it. So let's start at the beginning. What is desensitization? The uh, definition that I have is desensitization is the process of reintroducing the dog to the stimulus through the use of a stimulus gradient which should be established at the beginning of the sessions. All right. Yeah, let's, what is that? Let's, let's, <laughs> okay. let's define this term. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. So the stimulus. The stimulus is whatever sets your dog off. Okay. Sets him off to be aggressive. Sets him off to be fearful. Let's take one that we see in puppy class often. We're here in Southern California. A lot of puppies are worried about umbrellas. So let's say an umbrella is the stimulus that creates fear or anxiety in a puppy. Okay. So you need, the first step is identifying what is causing the problem that ends up with behavior you don't want. Puppy rain causing the problem of the umbrella. (laughs) No, 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 no. We can, we can, we can pull out just the stimulus. Okay. So we have a lot of that problem here. We don't, and that's the reason they don't get desensitized. (laughs) To umbrellas because they see them so infrequently. suppose you could even postulate that they often come about with much grumbling from the people and blah, 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 and different ions in the air. Where's the darn umbrella? Martha, where did you hide the umbrella? (laughs) You tracked muddy feet in. Knock it off, you know. And so the umbrella becomes a bad thing. The stimulus may be other things, but the trigger is quite often the umbrella, at least around in here. Right. Okay. So once you've identified what it is, can you control that trigger? And know it, I'm not talking about the umbrella flying away with you, but can you (laughs) determine that the dog can get closer to it or further away from it? Now, there's another example. For uh, Walter, for a while, he was having trouble with thunderstorms. Again, they don't happen very often here in Southern California. So, I mean, how in the world was I going to control a thunderstorm? So I went to technology. And I actually had to try several CDs before I found one that when played on the stereo, he would react to. What yeah. she's talking about is a CD with thunderstorm sounds on it. Yeah. 
I tried different recordings. Obviously, but not the relaxing one. version. Not the relaxing version. <laughs> no, not the white noise. Yeah, <laughs> the, the white noise kind. No. Gentle trickles through the rainforest. <laughs> no, uh, no there's a crash bang and all of that. But some of them, I played on the stereo at high volume, and he went yawn. So I had to find one. So then I had a stimulus that I could control. So do all umbrellas set the puppy off or just some? Okay, so or just some when the family's grumbling because they have to use it. Right. If you brought an umbrella out on the sunny day and everybody's laughing, is that still a stimulus? So try to recreate as much as you can. Or, you know, a kid going by on a skateboard might be a stimulus for a dog to want to go after them. So you know, do you know or can you bribe a child <laughs> to go by on the skateboard at the distance and speed and all forth that you are going to want? So can you identify the stimulus and can you control it? Okay. So then desensitization means you provide them with that stimulus, whether it's the umbrella, whether it's the recording, a kid on a skateboard, at such a minimal amount that the puppy dog looks but doesn't go crazy. Or in scientific terms, go over threshold. <laughs> so with an umbrella, maybe one person in the family takes a puppy for a walk out on, in front of the house mm-hmm. and puppy's happy and puppy gets loves and then someone walks out of the house with an umbrella, perhaps not even opened yet, mm-hmm. just carrying the umbrella, then the person who's walking the puppy stops moving closer at the point where the puppy went, whoa, what's that? Good, right. Right. So at the initial, very low onset of showing any symptoms. Right. And uh, threshold is a word that gets thrown around a lot. I like to think of it as the line drawn in the sand. The boundary. Yeah. When does, if you cross that line, literally, then your puppy goes crazy. Right. Or your dog goes crazy. You know, it depends on each one. Because I'm thinking walking, holding it even, even further back is just having it on the ground leaning against something. To be yeah. Just, I mean, it really depends on the dog yeah. and how freaked they are with it. Open, closed, over your just, head, on the ground. Yeah. These are all the variations that you need to work with. The idea, though, whatever the stimulus is, you make your dog's life happier in the presence of that stimulus. So, so whether it be praise food. Yep. or food mm-hmm. or a ball or a tug toy. Happy voice and petting, yep. sure. And you do that when they first notice and before they've gone over threshold. And you, oh, look, it's an umbrella. Or listen, there's thunder. Isn't it wonderful? And The behaviorist William Campbell used to call it throw a jolly party. There you Mm -hmm. go. And I always liked that. Throw a jolly party. And then move away from the stimulus or let the stimulus go away. But it, it seems to be a little bit better if it, it goes away, if you can move away from it. Or in my case with a stereo, I use the remote for the volume. Mm-hmm. So I could make it go up and go down rather than leave the room. I didn't want him to get the idea that if he went away from the sound, the he thunderstorm would feel better. Or that the thunderstorm would go away right? if he moved, if he ran. I didn't want him to get in the habit of panicking right. and running away from thunderstorms. Right. That's what so, happens when dogs end up gone. Exactly. So... So it's, you know, when, if often enough you're presented with, okay, I'll use a tarantula because most people are not terribly fond to rush over to a tarantula. 
Oh, for Petra. A big bird-eating, a big bird-eating Goliath tarantula the size of a dinner plate. Now, Liz would move towards the spider, and Petra and I would say, we're close enough. Yeah, Thank you. exactly. Okay. 500 feet away, we're good. But if there was some reward for us, that we for really Petra and I. Have to be okay. okay, but that's, that's it exactly, the yeah. level of reward. Okay. Yep. And that's it. So for Petra to move even an inch closer to a tarantula would have to be a darn good reward. I'm... Thinking a cowboy without a shirt on. (laughs) The real life cowboy, not a picture. Right. Right. It might just be stand next to it. There you go. (laughs) A brand new truck. That too. So the level of the reward has to match whatever level of upset the dog has. Yeah. Or the person in this case. Right. Mm-hmm. It's got to be worthwhile to them for them to say, well, I'll stick around a little bit and see. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, you know, usually a dried old milk bone is not going to be enough. This is the time we call, in previous podcasts, you've heard us talk about high-value treats. There's high-value treats and there's jackpot treats. So high-value treats might be shredded chicken or Swiss cheese or leftover roast beef. And a jackpot of those would be a whole handful going, wow, you're so brave, here. (laughs) And just shove a whole handful at them or drop them to the floor. Yep. And not all dogs are food motivated, so you might have to use a toy or, you know, just a lot of good happy voice and petting and stroking. And sometimes it might be actually combining those reinforcements with movement away from whatever's scary. Right. Not to run from the, the thunderstorm, but to move away from the umbrella, to lower the volume on the CD of the thunderstorm, to move away from the spider. <laughs> and and so... But when you're moving away casually, not all of a sudden dash. Right, right. Not, yeah. ru- not running Everybody away from it. remains calm. Right. Or happy. Happy. That that, that umbrella's over there. It's cool. But look at you. You're so brave. Mm -hmm. And here's cookies. And yeah, look at you. The other nice thing I like about food is if a dog starts to get too stressed, then most dogs will quit eating. Right. And that's a good indicator. That's something you can use as a gauge. Then you know if you're creeping up on the threshold. Mm -hmm. Or if they still want the treat because they're so food motivated they'll start grabbing at it and being a little frantic about give it to me quick before i can run Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so you can use how they're reacting to your reward as a gauge of whether you need to slow down back off or they're okay and one thing i think we need to interject here because it, it goes along with the grabbing of the food is all the chemicals in the brain that are going on right now when the puppy is frightened when he's happy about the food treats when he gets anxious and tries to grab the food treats fear like this fear and anxiety is not just behavior it's also the dog's body the chemicals in his brain the adrenaline that's shooting through his system it's just like us when Petra sees that Goliath bird-eating spider. As <laughs> My heart starts, starts pounding. I started with the tarantula. She took it up to the monster. <laughs> I know. 
What's well, wrong? Well, well, yeah, yeah, you know, if you're going to talk about a tarantula, talk about a tarantula. Go big. <laughs> go big or go home. <laughs> but all those chemicals that are shooting through his body are affecting the behavior also. So it's not simply, well, behavior is never simple, but it's not simply what he's thinking about. It's the whole body's involved. And that's one of the points of this is that a lot of times when a dog is reacting to something, they're not thinking. Right. You cannot right. reason with them. Exactly. So this is the process of changing their emotional response. Right. Instead of producing adrenaline when you see the scary or hear the scary thing, we want that dog's body to start producing oxytocin, Do- dopamine. Dopamine, dopamine, dopamine. There we go. Dopamine and get happy about it. Right. If they're happy about it, then their behavior will change. Right. Mm-hmm. Because they have a different mm-hmm. chemical going through their bloodstream. With the oxytocin, which you were thinking about is the DAP. DAP collar. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Which I'll put in a plug for the DAP collars. Dog appeasing pheromone. D-A-P. And that collar is impregnated with the canine oxytocin. It looks like an old-fashioned flea collar, but it's got oxytocin in it instead of insecticide. You put that on your puppy dog, and the idea is that it helps them, it gives them more cushion in reacting to potentially scary or anxious-making situations. And especially for those dogs who are just plain anxious, then don't even necessarily know what they're anxious about. Yeah. It's not for the severely fearful dog. It's not going to solve all the problems, but it can be one piece to the puzzle. I often recommend them for a dog that's just been adopted. Because mm-hmm. even going from a shelter to a home is a good thing. It's still new and potentially scary and upsetting. Mm-hmm. So I, I would love to see all shelters have DAP collars available in the lobby. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. just as a matter Send of course. Send one home with the new owners. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Well, the nice. main reason that oxytocin is produced in both human and canine bodies is to deal with the stress mm-hmm. of birth. It Most helps the mom, the mom helps the mom bond with her puppies and vice versa. So it's a good thing, birth, but sure. it is still stressful. So that's the body's doing that. You so remember that, way, do you? I do. <laughs> well, actually, I was cesarean, so you know, I was like, please come get me. I'm not going to work that hard. All right. <laughs> oh boy. All right, so anyway, I but, distracted sorry. you by the chemicals. And so. in the last month, I've probably recommended Oops. it four or five times to dogs. The owner's report are being on edge, or they may have all of a sudden doing some behavior that they haven't done in a long time, like marking in the house mm-hmm. or being more easily startled by noises and so forth. And in each of these cases, there's been some major changes in the household. Dad got sick. Mom, Mom has... The divorce and left. Major changes that have had the dogs on itch. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's... Uh, well, in here, being near mili- in a military town. Oh, my, my neighbor who just moved down here from the, the Bay Area, the San Francisco Bay Area, with her lovely, lovely, lovely Border Collie mixed dog. And we're like a mile from Camp Pendleton. That poor dog had never heard of firing range. Oh, never right. heard 500-pound bombs yeah. dropped. And one day when Camp Pendleton was particularly noisy, the woman came over and knocked on my door and went, what's going on? (laughs) And I said, ah, welcome to to life near a military base. I said, that's the sound of freedom. And she went, 
okay, is that every day? <laughs> no, 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 no. Just a couple times a month. <laughs> I said, it's not that much. And her dog was very anxious. So I told her to go out and get a DAP collar. Yeah. And she's been here since October, I guess it was, somewhere around in there. And, and her dog is still a little reactive when the big bombs drop. But uh, the firing They're range and the mm-hmm. yeah the firing range and the and the the uh, smaller artillery she's fine with. So I told her keep the DAP collar on her for a yeah. while. <laughs> now you've yeah. done it. So thinking of military. So now I'm thinking what we're actually engaging in here is chemical warfare. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. There you yeah. Go. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. The yeah. dog's body is trying to produce one chemical. Uh-huh. And we're going to ask it to produce another, another chemical. Yeah. And we can even use some other chemicals like the collar to help in our war. Jeez. <laughs> oh, okay, I'll let that one go. But anyway. All right. Well, we need to take a break for our sponsors. So hold on. We've got a lot more to talk about when we get back. Sit. Stay. It's a doggy dog world. We'll be right back after a short pause. Well, four to be exact. People say less is more. At Red Barn, we think less is better. It's what you won't find that sets our natural premium pet food apart. No byproducts, no corn or soy, no fillers. Just the natural ingredients your pets need to live the healthy life they deserve. Look at the label. We want you to. Red Barn Naturals Pet Food. Simply the best. Find it in your local pet specialty store. Try our grain-free rolled food. It's protein-packed with less risk of food sensitivity. You love your dog and getting kisses from them. But their breath can be downright stanky. Knock out their smelly breath with Stank Be Gone. Stank Be Gone is made with natural ingredients to eliminate their bad breath while helping to reduce plaque and tartar. Just add a capful to your dog's drinking water. Stank Be Gone is only $19.95. Use promo code STANK to receive a second bottle for just $5. Go to stankbegone.com today. That's stankbegone.com. My Golden Retriever Sundance is a lot more playful now. She has more pep and energy than I've seen in years. Tons of energy. Petey is having fun again. He's got a shiny coat and a good healthy weight. Molly's been having four scoops a day. She pushes her little bowl all the way across the room, emptying every last single crumb. She has slimmed down and gotten this puppy look. She's got life. She's got energy. She's got stuff to give. We get asked all the time when we're at shows, how do you get your dog so healthy and shiny and glossy? D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. 859-428-1000. The omega-3 fatty acids. Flaxseed, zinc, alfalfa. The digestive enzymes that are cooked out of regular dog food. Family will be on Dynavite for the rest of his life. Just feed your dog right. Use Dynavite. If it's working, don't quit. 859-428-1000. 859-428-1000. I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio dot com. We know you're begging for more. So back to It's a Doggy Dog World with your fetching hosts, Liz Palaika and this week's co-hosts, Kate Abbott and Petra Burke. Welcome back to It's a Doggy Dog World. All right, let's get back to desensitization. Okay, so some of the key parts are to this. We we want 
the dog to have a reliable experience and I feel good when this happens. So, do not try to rush this. Oh, <laughs> oh definitely, no. definitely. We humans, we're so much. I had a friend who worked at a company where they made a product and she was one of the designers and every now and then, like every four months, she would get to take the new designs to the lab and find out how much square inches of pressure it would take to explode them. <laughs> that would be fun. She had so much fun. That, that would be like Mythbusters. <laughs> it was. <laughs> I mean, there were things that she had created, you know, but she was like, yeah, so much fun to blow them up, you know. <laughs> and I think there's a little part of that in most of us that are like, this is going so well, I'm going to push it to the edge. Yeah. And then the puppy dog goes into the anxiety or the fear or the aggression or whatever you're working on, and you go, oh, shoot, push too hard. Yeah. But it's not just, you've not just set yourself back one training session. You've set yourself and your dog way back. Start all over again way back. at the beginning. And you may find when you have to redo it that that boundary where the dog is fearful has expanded because you pushed so hard that the dog is going, whoa, that's really scary now. And, owner, you lied to me. You told me this was a good thing, and it was pretty good, Mm -hmm. and then you snuck in the bad thing. Oh, Mm -hmm. I'm not going to trust you for a while. Yeah, there's your trust with your dog. So, yeah, take it slow, 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 and steady. So start desensitization at the lowest intensity so when I was finding the right CD, yes, I cranked it up to find out if he would respond. When he responded, I simply turned it off, and we just went on, and I ignored it. Then when I started desensitizing with Walter, I turned it on to zero, and one, and two, and I waited. And this is where knowing your dog's body language will help you. You know, if he's sitting there bright-eyed and calm, but waiting for his treat, great. When you start seeing the ears, and it's going to be different for every dog. When you start seeing some tension in the body, or the ears may fold back, or the tail may droop. If you get to a tuck tail, guess what? You've gone too far. Mm-hmm. So watch your puppy dog for the signs of stress. Or in the uh, academic terms, it is vital that the owner understands and can evaluate the dog's body language. For signs of general anxiety, aggression, or disinterest. Should the dog display any early signs of anxiety or aggression, the owner should move the dog away from the stimulus. So a good example is when when I adopted Cisco. He had been born and raised to the age of about five or six months in Arizona. I brought him here to San Diego County, and we went for a walk down near the harbor. And the first time he heard a sea lion bark, he about jumped out of his skin. Right. So I moved him back a little bit, and then we just stopped right there. And we watched the sea lion, and we let him listen to the sea lion, and we let him smell the sea lion. (laughs) All of those things. And then when his body language relaxed, then we started to walk on past. But every time he started to go, oh, then we stopped, took a couple steps back again, Because I love walking at the harbor, and I didn't want to not be able to walk him there. I didn't want him to go through. I understood to a dog that's born in the desert, a sea lion is a really strange thing. It sounds funny. It looks funny. It stinks. 
And so I wanted him... It sounds like a dog, but not like a dog. Yeah, I wanted him to be able to walk at the harbor. And he was having some fur issues anyway. So this was one that was easy to work with, easy to give him time. And it was worth all the time because later as he grew up, he'd always stop and look at him. What the heck? What is that thing? But then he'd shrug. But then he'd shrug and we would walk on by. So... Taking your time is so important, even if it's multiple training sessions. And, and some dogs well, it need. will be multiple, Multiple, probably. yeah, yeah. So the things you can control, you can. Now, Liz could not control the loudness of the sea lions. Or the stink. <laughs> you know, that would be quite entertaining to try to watch. <laughs> would you? Yeah, would have. She might try to uh, train stop, it. Stop. Yeah. Stay. Squirt <laughs> bottle. So things that you cannot control the intensity of the object itself, what can you control, and like Liz did, distance distance. from the object. Right. So distance and time Mm -hmm. are two And the rewards from me. Right. The, oh, let's just sit here and look at it. Good boy. Yeah, what is that silly thing? And you actually snuck in a a little side note there, too, what's called Mm counter-commanding. So you're actually giving the dog a command that has them do something that cannot be done while panicking. Sit. There you go. Mm -hmm. So it works if you have a well-trained dog who understands the command and being told what to do brings them some, oh, good, you're telling me. Oh, good. And the dog trusts you. Yeah. Cisco was young. I, I hadn't had him very long, but he had already said, okay, you're going to protect me. Right. And he trusted me enough that even with that scary, smelly, funny-looking thing that almost barks like a dog, he didn't try to panic and run from me. When I asked him to sit with me and I had my hands on him, he went, okay. Yeah, so you read his body language and you said, oh, he is trying to relax. Mm -hmm. Good. So you knew you were at the right distance, so you just gave him some more time. Right. So counter-commanding can work. What frustrates me is when I see a dog going off, we'll say at the sea lions, and the person doesn't move back, but they're going, sit, sit and stay, and deal with this. Mm-hmm. So now they've just trapped their puppy dog in their anxiety. And with all those chemicals going on in your brain, you can't think. People can't think. If I brought that huge bird-eating tarantula <laughs> to Petra, she couldn't think. I would be moving out of her way because <laughs> Exactly. You can't think. So you have to be able to get that distance away so that you can go, okay. Let's let my rational brain come back. Right, right. Yeah. So one of the worst things we can do to a dog who's anxious, even if you're thinking about desensitization, one of the worst things we can do is push the dog into it. Yep. Because then you're not desensitizing anymore. Then you're you're just doing your dog wrong. Sometimes it's called flooding, but... Have we defined flooding before? No, we no. haven't defined flooding. Go for it. All right. So flooding is when someone or a dog or a person cannot escape from the situation and the adrenal glands just keep pumping out more adrenaline. And you're stuck in there, and you're stuck in there until finally the adrenal glands become exhausted. And then the person or dog goes calm. But that's called flooding out. You haven't conquered the fear. And in fact, it can the next exposure, it can be many times worse. 
it's a false feeling that you've dealt with it. Right, right. It's somebody we described at one time as taking someone who's got a fear of flying and keeping them on an airplane, traveling the world, landing and taking off until they gave up. But what's the chances are you're going to get them on an airplane again? <laughs> nope, zero. <laughs> <laughs> yep. They simply yep. ran out of adrenaline. That doesn't mean that they now feel good about it. Right, right. So flooding rarely works. Right. And you run the risk, especially with the dog, of them getting so frantic that they start biting and scratching and all the things that people would... Yeah, Pedro and the spider. <laughs> yeah. All the things that she would do if I would try to hold her next to a spider. Put me in a room with a bunch of them? Yeah, she'd probably bite me too. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Or she'd go through the window and run away and yeah. then, you know, get yeah. hit by a car or a train or... <laughs> so flooding... Oh. <laughs> Poor Pedro. If she'd never seen that tarantula. Flooding is good to know about if you're stuck in an emergency. I don't know what you could be trapped in a room full of tarantulas and there's no hope of escape. At least you know that sooner or later... Your adrenal glands are going to run empty. (laughs) Right. Yeah, you'll be fine. (laughs) But in terms of making a situation something you look forward to, flooding is not going to work. Right. And for your dog, it's... It was a a room full of cowboys. It's torture. Yeah. (laughs) That would be torture. Yes, it would. Flood me all you like. (laughs) Right, right. I may go back in that room again. (laughs) (laughs) If every cowboy had a tarantula. Maybe. That would be, you would be caught in the middle, wouldn't you? Uh, oh, God. Find a dilemma. F- approach flea. Approach flea. I don't know. She'd be squashing tarantulas. Yeah, right. So, back to desensitization. Okay. So, keep it slow and steady. Do a log. You know, do distance from the object or volume on the object. Time. So, maybe 15 feet away from the umbrella for 30 seconds before the puppy dog started to get worried. And then you walked away. Great. But if, so if you take slow and steady progress, then at least that helps with the human of, let's just move on in. And you see your log, you can see you're getting there. Now, if you get up to two minutes of 15 feet from the umbrella and your puppy dog's not a worried a bit, then you want to get closer. Okay. Take that time way bit. Do not expect them to now go to 10 feet and still be at two, three minutes. Mm-hmm. So the moment you increase the pressure from one of the variables, decrease the others. Okay. My mental analogy is the equalizer on your stereo. If you're moving the sliders up and down. So if one slider goes up, in this case, distance closer, move the other ones down and then slowly bring those sliders back up. And then you can increase uh, decrease the distance again or get closer to it anyway just change one variable at a time but the one variable in all this i should remain calm and steady as the owner there you go yes i mean you see we we see it i mean, a lot of times you they're trying to teach that puppy dog to closer to the umbrella and all of a sudden the anxiety and the owner increases Gotta be closer. Is the dog gonna be okay? Is the dog gonna be? And all of a sudden, that just floods <laughs> right down the leash. Or on the other side, anger. It's just an umbrella. That too. Go up and see it. It's just yeah. an umbrella. Why are you afraid of an umbrella? Well, you're anxious. You're upset. Your dog is gonna go. Oh my gosh! Why are you so upset? This is not a good thing. Dad and yeah. mom doesn't like it either. Boy, whenever one of those things is around, they get upset. Yeah. Let's get away from that thing. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. So, absolutely. The owner's attitude. Mm -hmm. And I'm really not fond of the pet, pet, it's okay, pet, pet, it's okay. Yeah. I think there's, there's a lot of people that say, don't praise the fear, don't comfort the fear. There's a lot of trainers who say, yeah, there's no problem comforting or, or praising. I think there's there's a very fine line with all of that. I like to be calm and happy without being stupidly happy. Right. I like to throw the jolly routine. If one of my dogs is worried about something, we find that line where it triggers, the dog triggers, and then we go, okay, let's take a look at that. What are you worried about? Right. Good. Calm. And not neutral, but on the happy side of neutral. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. I don't want the dog to think that I'm not paying attention to his worry, but yet I don't want to him to think that I'm worried about it too. So what makes sense to me in terms of reassuring behavior is if the dog has already gone over threshold. Mm-hmm. All right, reassuring can help calm him down. Sure. Oh my God, you're worried. Okay, come on here, give me a cuddle. Let's go away. Okay. But if you're approaching threshold and you're nervously stroking and going, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. To me, that sounds like you're telling the dog it's only going to hurt a little bit. Right. Yeah. yeah. And I'm worried too. We'll yeah. be worried together. Right. Why go marching into torture? So that I think that's where it bothers right. me is like, come on, it's going to be okay. We'll face the land, lions and tigers and bears uh, together. Another example, Bashir, yeah. my old boy. Is only afraid of one thing in in his in his whole world. Seventy five percent of the planet, but okay. <laughs> he's only afraid of one thing, and that's water. Yeah. If he could get all his liquid from his food and ice cubes, he would be thrilled. I semi jokingly say he drowned in a previous lifetime because he hates water. But I have found that if I'm casual about it, say we're out camping, we love to camp up in mm -hmm. the Big Sur. And we like to camp near the Big Sur River. Well, he enjoys the camping and the walking in the woods enough that he will actually put his paws in the Big Sur River. Right. Because the enjoyment of the rest of the experience is so much that he can put his paws in the Big Sur River. He has actually gone up to it, touch his tummy. Mm -hmm. And then he'll take a couple steps back. But... He won't do that at the beach. He won't do that in we the bathtub. We did do it once when he was after Walter. Oh, he thought Walter was drowning. He thought Walter yes. was drowning. Yes. His love for his brother from another mother, yeah. Kate's dog Walter, he did actually go in the ocean. He wasn't happy about it. Oh, no. And he barked at Walter significantly. But, and the point is here, you did not force him into no. the water and either. It was his choice. And that's what I was, that's yeah. where I was going. I didn't make him step into the water. I didn't shame him into stepping into the water. Right. I didn't throw treats into the water. I didn't throw treats into the water. The other dogs went into the water voluntarily. If he wanted to stay on, on dry land, he, he was welcome to. But because the rest of the situation was so enjoyable, he conquered his fear enough to put his feet in. And at that point, I told him what a wonderful, brave dog he was. Yeah. I mean, I wasn't going to make him do it, but yeah, look at you. Awesome job. And I got his little Aussie butt wiggling and all was great, but I let him do it on his own. And that's another point. The rewards are not a bribe. No. Right. 
because that's, you know, you'll get a lollipop after you've had your shot. But as the dog is still remaining calm and happy, then you can give them more rewards to keep pumping out that dopamine and keep them happy around the stimulus. Mm-hmm. Okay. So if they go over threshold, the treats and everything stop. At that point, they probably won't want the treats. Well, and you just end the session. Yeah, you just go, just walk away. If mm-hmm. you can, it's nice to move enough distance away, give the dog time to recover. Depending on how far over threshold he's going. Right. right. It's always lovely to end on a happy note if possible right so if you can back off enough volume intensity distance whatever and the puppy dog could take a deep breath and go wow okay i still see that thing but i'm okay give another treat and then end it we take the spider away from Petra and give her a cowboy there you go (laughs) there you go end it on a high note (laughs) and on that we're gonna end this on a high note i'm gonna add one more thing okay Because uh, sometimes I get the question, not often, but sometimes, what's the difference between desensitization and counter-conditioning? Ah, true. Okay. True. So counter-conditioning is the actual changing of the emotional response. You're conditioning to a counter-feeling. Counter-conditioning is what happens. Desensitization is the process to get to the counter condition. <laughs> if that makes sense. <laughs> you desensitize, you reduce their sensitivity to the stimulus, which over time counters their fear, aggression, whatever, and conditions them to accept it. There. Now you can. On that note, <laughs> we'll leave you all thinking about. Paper and spiders and cowboys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll be back for our next podcast later. Have a good one. Bye. Thank you. Having a rough day? Longing for the dog days of summer? Think your fun furry friend lives a dog's life? Well, find out everything you're begging to know as Pet Life Radio presents It's a Doggy Dog World with pet expert and award-winning author Liz Palaika. Every dog has his day, and you'll find out how to make your dog's day fun and rewarding every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com. <laughs>